In my mind, I know what I want your takeaway to be from my homily, but in my homily itself, I'm not sure I'm going to get there. So I'm going to tell you what I want my takeaway to be for the homily is. And so whether or not you hear that or not, you're like, oh, that's what he meant anyway. So this is what I, I want the takeaway to be. Uh, that to overcome, to overcome, we're going to fail over and over again as long as we keep trying over and over again. And if we do that, we'll succeed. And if we don't try over and over again, we will fail for sure. All right. Now a little catechesis. Adam and Eve are created in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, and by extension, all their offspring, you and I, all of the human race, was meant for immortal bliss, immortal beatific vision. So there was to be no suffering and no death. So Adam and Eve, so at the end of time when Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead, he'll burn the world by fire and he'll create a new heavens and a new earth. And somehow in that new dispensation, heaven and earth will be united. There will be the physical earth in glory and splendor. And it will be united somehow to the non-physical heaven. But they'll be one. From the beginning, that's what God had in mind with the human race, with Adam and Eve, was that he had created Eden on earth, and Eden was paradise. And he meant for Adam and Eve to have all kinds of children and to fill the world with us, with no stain of sin anywhere, and earth or Eden and heaven would be united. So Adam and Eve could talk with God. They just could talk with God. Everything was there before them. And imagine filling the earth with billions and billions or tens of billions of human beings and they could all talk with God and they could all be in this paradise on earth. Well, that's what God had in mind. And then Adam and Eve sinned and then when they sinned, God had two choices to kill them right on the spot because he told Adam and Eve, if you so much as touch that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. Or... He could string this death thing out, that they will die because God said they would and they would have to. Because they had been disobedient, they had sinned. But now God will string out the death and he won't make it immediate. He'll go, okay, I'll do another thing. It'll be like this parable of the fig tree, where it's planted in the soil and at some point it must produce fruit. If it doesn't, it will be cut down. But I'm going to be patient with the fig tree and I'm going to fertilize it and I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to prune it. I'm going to give it time. And for God, time is nothing. He created time. He existed for all eternity with no beginning. And then at some point he said, I'm going to create this thing called time. And then I'm going to end it. I'm going to create it and then I'm going to end it. And for him, it was nothing. It's, it's not even a second Trillions and zillions of years next to eternity is not even a second. And so he creates in a second time and matter and space and all of the rest, us. But God can be incredibly patient because he's eternal. He's eternal. And so sin had changed what God had planned. God had planned the uniting of heaven and earth, Eden, in a paradise with heaven. 
But now because of their sin, heaven and earth are now separated, and heaven is not the paradise that it once or earth is not the paradise that it once was. So now after the fall, there are three last things death, judgment, and hell. That's where we're all going. But then Jesus comes in time and space 2,000 years ago, and he suffers and dies and rises from the dead. And now he introduces a fourth last thing, death, judgment, hell, or heaven. He's made heaven possible now, where it didn't exist before. It existed before the fall of Adam and Eve, and then it didn't exist. Then Adam and Eve and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Aaron and... And David and all the rest, no, they they didn't go to heaven. They died and went to Sheol, the abode of the dead, awaiting the second coming. And the others who didn't even make it to the abode of the dead, eternal damnation. So he comes to introduce the fourth of the last things, to give us the possibility of heaven. And it's only a possibility. The default setting for us as sinners is eternal damnation. That's the default People in our world today think the default is heaven. Everyone goes to heaven, don't they? Doesn't everyone go to heaven? I have heard priests say that there is no one in hell. That's incredibly contrary to what God reveals in the Bible and to the words of Jesus who mentions hell multiple times and warns us against it. And he says of poor Judas, it were better of him that he were never born at all. I don't know what more of a ringing statement of condemnation could could come from the mouth of God about the one who betrayed him. So, but here's the thing. He's created heaven now, and we've got an option for it, but it's still only an option. And the thing is, is we've got to work on the option. We're like the fig tree. And like that fig tree, we hope that, you know, we'll just sprout and grow and bear fruit and just, it'll all be wonderful. But what we find as sinners, what we find is that we don't bear the fruit we wanted to. It seems as at times that we don't bear any fruit. That, that it seems at times like, well, we're not even trying, right? Other times we seem to try and we, we seem to grow hardly at all, if not at all. Our sins keep coming and coming and coming. And so our today, today in this gospel, Jesus brings up this great gift, this great gift that he gave Adam and Eve and you and I. And this gift is the gift that keeps the guy who tends the fig tree from cutting it down. And the gift is this, Repentance. It's a great gift. Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they are greater sinners than all of the Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you'll perish as they do. Are those 18 people who were killed in the Tower of Solomon fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you'll all perish as they did. So he's introduced this gift of repentance. If you ever play Monopoly, it's the get-out-of-jail-free card. Where we are this fig tree, and Jesus is the guy who tends the fig tree. He sets the soil, he plants it, he 
He covers it over. He fertilizes it. He waters it. He weeds it. As it grows, he keeps weeding it and watering it and maybe fertilizing it. And he just patiently, 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 and then he might prune it. And he never gives up on this thing, even though it's like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree and it's doing its thing. If this fig tree just keeps saying to the vine dresser, I repent, I repent, don't give up on me. He won't. He will not cut it down. So this is the thing. Is that you and I, in the Garden of Eden, were created for the beatific vision. We were created for paradise. And then we blew it in sin. And now there's suffering and there's damnation. And God in His infinite goodness came into the world to liberate us not from the suffering. That was the antidote to sin. But deliberate us from at least eternal damnation. We might be in this life suffering so much it might feel like it, but it's not eternal. And to introduce to us the possibility of heaven, if only we would be repentant. And over and over and over again, repentant. It's not a one-off, I was baptized, I'm good to go. No, and it's not, well, I go to confession once a year, I went ten years ago. No, it's a constant repentance thing. A constant repentance thing. And if there is that constant repentance, it means that we're trying, right? Because as someone who goes to confession every week, I think to myself, I can't do that thing. I'm going to confession on Monday, and it's that same guy who hears me over and over again. I just, I just, I'm not going to do that thing because I don't want to confess it again. Which is a really kind of petty reason as opposed to, God, I love you so much, I'm not going to do that thing. It's just, that priest who doesn't even know who I am, I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to confess that same stupid thing. So just the act of repenting frequently gets us to check ourselves. And then we'll want to give up on repenting because we keep finding ourselves falling back into the same sins over and over and over. And so we say, why should I keep repenting and not making any progress? Because if I don't repent, the vine dresser will cut me down. The one thing keeping me alive is repentance. Not success or holiness. That's beyond our power. But repentance is in our power. And so this is it. Whether we turn into a gigantic sequoia and 500 foot tall tree that lives for thousands of years, or just a scrawny little, you know, one of those trees that is on the southern tip of the South America and they grow to be one foot tall, and it's an actual tree, it's not a bush, they only grow one foot tall. This is freezing cold and the wind is so hard. I saw this in National Geographic. So geographic, so hard that the little one foot tall trees are all slanted this way because the wind just plows them under and they only bloom for like six weeks out of the year. That's it. And this is me and this is you. And the only thing keeping me and you alive is I repent, I repent, I repent, I repent. And one day there's heaven. There's heaven, the fourth of the last things the beatific vision. So, don't give up on God. Don't give up on you. Repent frequently. I'm going to put flesh on that. Go to confession frequently. 
That is an incredible gift. That's a bigger gift than the Eucharist. Bigger gift than the Eucharist, which is God himself. And we get to adore him and love him and feast on him and be strengthened by him and all those things. But we cannot be saved by that, but by the confession we can. The ridding of mortal sin, the ridding of mortal sin, the infusion of grace to resist it in the future, the the illumination of the conscience over time through that sacrament. So take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. That's where I'm going to end with this plug for confession. So go to confession throughout your life. Try to go once a month for the rest of your life. The church has always recommended monthly confession. I'd heard on the radio today that John Paul II went to confession every day. Every day. He went to Mass every day. Why not go to confession every day? So he went every day. And he had bishops and priests around him all the time. And I could just imagine him shuffling down the hallway. Father, will you hear my confession? And the priest like, oh, please, not me. You hear mine, all right? You hear mine. No, you hear my confession. And then give me a good penance. What penance am I supposed to give you? Every day. I know Mother Teresa of Calcutta every day. What were her sins for crying out loud? These, these people are giants next to you and I. Who are we to think once a month is too much? Believe me, if merely touching a tree would bring damnation, then every day we earn damnation. So let's every day tell God we're sorry for our sins. And let's for the rest of our lives put into our calendar one day of the month to go to confession as long as there's still a priest available, which is a whole other issue. We take priests being available for granted, and we should not. We should not. So there it is. We're all this little tree, and we're all hopefully trying and striving. And if we never give up, and if we keep repenting, we'll ultimately make it. And we'll ultimately make it to the beatific vision for all eternity.